It's a joy to be here tonight, and I appreciate the opportunity. Good to see all the smiling faces, whether you're smiling or not. Amen. Just keep on smiling. Amen. I'm joking. I'm looking back at somebody. I'm not going to call no names, but Brother Cut, I won't call your name. Amen. But I'm picking and having a little fun here. It is, again, a joy to be here, and honestly, look forward to the opportunity, and yet at the same time, just nervous. Always nervous when I preach at my home church, and I know that sounds wrong. But it's not meant wrong, it's meant right. I want to give you the best that I can, if I can say it to you like that. Last two months, God's been so good to us. In uh, uh, Right before Christmas, uh, Gail, of course, she fell and broke her leg, and, or broke her ankle, fractured her ankle, excuse me, let me get it right. And so then we had uh, Christmas at the jail, and then on the 18th, and we had seven saved. I praise the Lord for that. We. I could say more, but let me just leave it at that. Then the next day, we had stockings at uh, uh, Silverdale, and so we had 1,250 stockings to give out. We actually had an opportunity of preaching also at the same time. There were several services going on at one given time or, or during the time that we were there. I think we had 28 that were saved. Altogether, in the last two months, we've had an opportunity with the revival that we had at Silverdale first of November we've had 100 saved and I praise the Lord for that God's been good to us I ask if you will pray with us brother Wayne or made mention uh, just a few minutes ago about our health uh, the Lord's so good he worked it out we didn't know about Gail she had to uh, find a place and wound up it was the place where I went for a second opinion on my back now I don't say this for pity I don't want your pity I want your prayers uh, they told me that my back is ate up with, or, or my hips are ate up with arthritis, and I need double hip replacement. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not looking forward to that, okay? So anyway, they said after we do that, then we can look at your back. So I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know if it'll be next week or whatever. Week after next, I mean, week after next, I actually go back for shots. That's where I'll start at. And then when I get to the point in place that, I've got enough courage and go from there, okay? But if you will, you pray with us. I want to give you a thought tonight that I trust will be a blessing to your heart. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. It's something that we all know. Our pastor was preaching through the book of Revelations. I want you to turn with me to Revelations chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 5 tonight. That's where we'll spend our time. I trust it will be a blessing to your heart. I don't think that I've preached this here. I think about Sister Turner back there when we had the uh, watch night service over at New Life, and I preached out of Psalms 37, and she come up to me after service, and she pointed in her Bible where I'd preached it here at this church. Then y'all got over there, and I preached it, and so uh, thanks, Sister Turner. Amen. You know how to encourage somebody. Amen. Now, I'm picking. I'm picking, but a uh, little fun there. But why don't you stand with me to give you an opportunity to stretch and smile. And we'll try not to be too long tonight, just long enough. I know that we've got banana pudding. I feel the burden to go first, okay? So <laughs> I think y'all need to honor that and let me go first, okay? But anyway, look with me. Revelations chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 5. That's where my heart is tonight. And again, I trust it will be a blessing to you. The Bible says in verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now let's have prayer, and then after that you can be seated. Our fathers, I come again to the throne. It's in the blessed name of the Lord Jesus. 
much with a grateful, thankful heart. I bow my head and I say to you that I love you. I thank you for the privilege to stand. Thank you, Father, for pastor, and thank you, Father, for the Whitfield Baptist Church, our congregation, my congregation. And our Father, I'm grateful to you that they support us, they pray for us, and that, Lord, we're considered one of their home missionaries, and we're grateful to them, and, Lord, we're grateful to you through them. Now, our Father, as we have this privilege and as we have this opportunity, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And I ask you, Father, please, that you'll call to my remembrance the scriptures, the illustrations, each and everything that God should have us to say tonight. Father, we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I realize tonight what our service is. I really did pray about that vision for the year. I prayed about those or that thought. And this is what continues to come to my heart. And I trust it'll be a blessing to you. As we look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, Let's kind of look through it for just a second, and then we'll go to the thought that I want to give you. If you'll notice with me, he starts out, and he's called the faithful witness. What he means by that, and I think you know this, is one who is entirely true, one who is entirely trustworthy, one that can be believed in, and one that can be counted on. That's our God. That's our Savior. I think about what he says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your, un for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, and that you have showed towards his people, and that you have ministered and do minister to the saints. God's faithful. I can say that out of experiential knowledge. God's faithful, and he'll be faithful again. And then if you'll notice with me, he comes along and he says that he's the first begotten of the dead. When you think about this, you think about how that Christ raised from the dead. He raised Lazarus, he raised others. But what he's talking about when he talks about this, they all died. But as you look at this, when he talks about this passage of Scripture, He's talking about that he's raised unto or into immortality. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and there he makes intercession for the saints of God according to the Father's will. And he sends back grace and mercy as we have that need. You look next, you'll notice with me, he comes along and he calls him the prince. I want you to notice in that verse he said, which is the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us. And when he uses the word prince, it speaks of the first in order, it speaks of the first in rank and power and the chief ruler. Thus his dominion and his power is all over the world. We may not see it. The, the, the agnostic or the atheist may say it's not here. I think about what he says in Psalms 47 in verse 2. He said, For the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all of the earth. And he's over all of this earth. And he knows what's going on in your life. And he knows what's going on in mine. He sees each and every day. As we woke up this morning, as we begin to wipe our eyes from the night of sleep, God saw that as we lay our heads down tonight, as we slip off to sleep, God will still be there and he'll see it all through. He's the first. He's our Savior. He's the terrible God of this world. And then may I say to you, we see the favored love. You think about this, he said unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins. I don't know about y'all, but you know, phileo love, you know this before I say it, but phileo love is a nurtured love. It's a love like that of a husband to his wife and a wife to her husband. It's a love for uh, children to its parents because of what the parents has done, vice versa. It is a nurtured love if you think about it. You think about agape love, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Agape there, as you think about that, and I know it means love feast, 
but it's the unmerited love that God has bestowed upon us. And we can talk about this love, and we can share this love. I think I've said this before, but let me say it again. I think about coming across an inmate in Alabama several years ago. He was laying on his bunk, and I said, well, I guess you know why I'm here. And he said, well, preacher, he said, me and God, we've got our own thing going. I talked to him a little while, and I listened to him, and he shared with me, and I shared with him. The truth of the matter is, no one can say that they fully know the love of God until they've been to the foot of the cross. In 1 John 4 and verse 10, he says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And notice with me, and sent his son. That means that love come from another world, and he come to this world, that this world might be partakers of that love, and that love is found at the foot of the cross in Calvary. And that's what I mean by that. You and I, we can talk about the love of God, we can give different descriptions and so forth and so on, but we really can't say that we know that love until we've been to the foot of the cross and we've received Christ to the saving of our soul. And then if you will, not only do we see the favored love, but may I say to you, there's the faultless cleansing. You think about this. You don't have to worry about it. It's not just a partial cleansing. I left a shirt down at my daughter's the other night, and, uh, well, I, we were going down. We were eating on the road. We got a hamburger at Hardy's. I say, if you're going to eat on the road, don't get one from Hardy's. This is on the Internet. The internet. That might not, uh, sorry, Hardy's, okay, Carl. You all to get over it. Amen. But you know, I'm sitting there and I'm eating it and I'm looking down and boy, I mean ketchup and mustard's gone everywhere. So I don't know if it'll come out or not, but I can tell you this, when Christ saves and the blood of Christ is applied to your heart, it's faultless, it's cleansed. You and I are made whole through the Lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you think tonight in this passage of Scripture, I want you to notice with me in the latter portion, he said unto him that loved us and washed us from our own sin in his own blood. I want to talk to you for just a little while. I want to give you four things to think about on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We might call it the blessings of the blood, but it's four things that we find in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is basic theology. You don't have to worry. I won't get over your heads. Can't get over mine. Amen. And, and, I, and I need to learn a little more, and you'll have to forgive me if I use a Greek or make mention of a Greek because I'll tear it up free of charge, okay? But... May I say to you, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 11. And notice with me, in Romans 5 and verse 11, he says, And not only so, but we also joy in God, we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the atonement. And I want you to notice with me the atonement of our sins. When it comes to the blood of Jesus Christ, we have the atonement of our sins. When you think about the word atonement, may I say to you, for the most part, well, for all of it, with the exception of one verse, it's mentioned 71 times, and 70 times of that is in the Old Testament. You look over into the book of Leviticus, chapter 17 and verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your souls. And as you think about the thought of atonement, may I say to you, that is the thought, the earliest received, or the earliest meaning of the word atonement, uh, is the reconciliation or the reconciling of two estranged or alienated parties. Now you think about that just for a second, and that's exactly where you and I were. I want you to turn and look with me so you'll see it, you'll fully understand it, Colossians chapter 1. As you're turning there, let me give you this. I've quoted it before, but let me quote it again. Galatians chapter 6 verse 4, or Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 through 6. He said, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, 
made of a woman to redeem them that were under the curse of the law. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, whereby we cry, we can say, Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy. Can I say it to you like that? And then you look in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, as you think about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether there be things in heaven and things in earth, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of Christ. I, I'm misquoting the latter portion of it, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that you and I, before we were saved, we were alienated. Before you and I were saved, we were at enmity and aversion instead of faith and love and trust in Christ. But upon the moment that we turned to him, you know, a lot of people says, well, I prayed. I, I see him at the jail quite often. And they say, well, I prayed. I prayed three or four times or I've been saved several times. I always take them back to that time, what was really real? What was really real? Where was it that you repented of your sins and you asked God to forgive you and cleanse you and come into your heart and your life? I remember the night that I got saved, and I've told that story before in 1973 and how God met with me. And I don't know about y'all, but the night that I got saved, I knew who had what I wanted. I knew what I wanted. I called out to God, and there that night, he took the blood of Christ, he applied it to my heart, and he reconciled me to a God, and he brought us together. We were estranged. We were separated. I was separated to God, not he to me. It was me to God, if I can say it to you like that. And that is what atonement is. When that blood of Christ is applied to your heart, he gives to you and I the atonement for our sins. And then may I say to you, secondly, not only do we see there's the atonement, but I want you to notice something else with me tonight, and that's the remission of sins. As you look at that, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. As you're turning there, I want to say to you that you find the word atonement, or excuse me, the word remission, it's mentioned only in the New Testament. And he says in Romans 3 and 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be, a to be a propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, I'm misquoting there, but I want you to understand that he talks about the remission of our sins. And I want you to understand when you think about this word remission, may I say to you, let me get to my notes here, and then I'll say to you, but you think about that, Noah Webster says that the word remission it speaks of relaxation. You and I, when we use that word, we're talking about uh, getting into a relaxed place, a cool place, or after a hot day and maybe a sup of tea or uh, a drink of tea or something like that, and that to us is relaxation. But God is speaking about how God relaxes His self towards us. I'll speak of this in just a second, but justification, as I've said before, is a reversal of God's attitude towards the sinner. I'm not trying to get myself ahead because that's the next point. Towards the sinner because of our new position and relationship that we have in Christ Jesus. You see, before we were saved, we were under condemnation. Before we were saved, we we're headed to hell. Before we were saved, we would wind up at the great white throne judgment of God. But God comes along and He has mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And as you think about the subject here and as you think about the thought of remission, 
being used 10 different times. Let me quote Romans 3.24 and let me get it right. He said, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to build propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. You know, when you look at that little word forbearance, it means the leniency. It means the patience. God in his long suffering. How many times did he call us to a place of repentance? How many times did we fail to respond? How many times did God give us an opportunity to be saved and yet we would say no to the call of God? How many times have we heard people talk about the back of the church and sitting in the back and standing when the invitation's given and clamping their hands home to the pew in front of them and saying no to the call of God? And yet the patience, the leniency, the forbearance of God continued to work with you whether you received him that night or not. I don't know about y'all, but I'd say to you, friend of mine, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I'd hate to know that God was my enemy, amen? I'd rather know that one man in God, as we've often said, and you've heard it before, is a majority, and he's on my side. The old country preacher said, and I've said this before, but if God don't answer my prayers, he said, I'm going to get out on my knees and find out why. And there was a time that I got down on my knees and I called out to God, and God had mercy, and there was the remission of my sins. May I say to you, when you think about the remission of sins, let me get to my thoughts here, but as you think about the thought of remission of sins, and again, it's only mentioned in the New Testament. It's the new order. It's the new contract. It's the new covenant. Webster says it like this. Remission, again, is the relaxation. It is the Greek word, if I'm pronouncing it halfway near, near right, Ephesus, Ephesus, A-F hyphen E-S-I-S. And may I say to you, friend of mine, when you think about this, it is the thought of holding three thoughts in it, or it has the three thoughts in it. Number one, the freedom from sin. Boy, that night that I got saved and he come into my heart, man, I'll tell you something. I come up brand new in Christ Jesus. You've heard me say it, but I'll say it again. I had a shirt sleeve revival, amen. I'm just about ready to preach now, amen. I mean, I came forward, God had mercy, I come up from there and everything that I was guilty before God was now gone. It was hid in Christ or under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd moved from the powers of this world into the family of dear, uh, his dear son. And I became his and he became mine. May I say to you, not only do we see the freedom of sin, but may I say to you, there's deliverance. And when you think about deliverance, may I say to you, it's a deliverance from, but it's a deliverance into. I want you to understand that we are delivered from and then we are delivered into. And then may I say to you, we see thirdly, it's a pardon from the Heavenly Father. When you think about that pardon, it holds three thoughts. May I say to you, number one, it's readily available. You think about how God has mercy and God has grace. I think about what he says in Psalms 86 and verse 5. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. May I say to you, not only do we see it's readily available, but can I say to you, listen, grace freely given or granted freely. Isaiah 43 and verse 25, I, even I, uh, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. When God saved me, he borne me into the family of God. But every sin that I had committed, they were now under the blood. 
And he never looked at them anymore and doesn't look at them anymore like that. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews chapter 10. And then may I say to you, not only do we see that, but we see another thing, and that's an abundant pardon. In Isaiah 55 and verse 7, he said, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our, uh, 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 and to our God, and for he will abundantly pardon. I'm glad tonight that there's a pardon. I'm glad tonight that it's free. I'm glad tonight that he'll give it to all, and it's readily available. May I say to you, secondly, not only do I see that, but may I say to you, thirdly, there's the justification. Again, let me go through that. There is the meaning of justification, and then there is not only the meaning, but there's the means of justification. I've done gave you the, te- or the meaning. It is a reversal of God's attitude. We've heard the words, just as if I never sinned, but I think really it goes further than that. I think that's a good thought. There's nothing wrong with it. But God's grace goes further than that. And it's where God has a reversal of His attitude towards us because of our new position and our new relationship that we have in Christ Jesus. And then there's the means by which we're justified. We're justified by His blood, Romans 5 and verse 9. Much more than being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. We're justified not only by His blood, but His grace. Titus 2, verse 3 and 4 and 5 and 7. He said, For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lust and pleasure, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now that's just exactly where you and I were until the grace of God comes along and He saves us. And down in verse 7 He says, That being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I believe that's how He says it there in verse 7. And we're justified by that grace, that unmerited love of God. God didn't have to, but yet He did. God didn't have to send His Son, and yet His Son was willing to come. God didn't have to die for none of us. We were the sinners. He was the one that was right. He's the one that's holy. And yet God has mercy, and He saves us, and He borns us in to the family of God. I ran from that call. I got saved when I was 21. I remember many, many times how God gave me that opportunity and I said no. I remember how I'd leave the church. I remember one time Franklin Holmes come to the service station where I was working at. I'm going to be honest with you, he made me mad, okay? You say, why? Because I wanted to smoke a cigarette and he was wanting to witness to me and he wouldn't let me smoke in his car. That's the reason why. So I didn't listen to him too much. I got out of the car so I could light a smoke up. But you know what? Thank God, God didn't give up on me. I don't know that I ever saw Mr. Holmes anymore, excuse me, prior to my salvation, but I know this, God didn't give up on me. And may I say to you, as you think about it, there's the justification by His blood, by His grace, by His faith, by simple faith. Romans 5 and verse 2, much more than being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. And we're entered into, we have an admission to, an access into. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein you stand. And we've come into that because of faith and grace and the blood of Christ. 
You know, you may disagree with me. That's your prerogative if you want to. But I believe if we was to go into the holies of holies today, if we could, that blood, you could reach down into it and it'd be just as real as it was the day that it was shed. It wasn't spilt, it was shed. And the reason why is because it come from the eternal. You look over in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. He said, take heed unto yourselves over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers that you feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And that's an everlasting blood. It came down, the Holy Ghost of God overshadowed the Virgin Mary and as he moved on she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And she bore Jesus and he had flowing in him a pure and uncontaminated blood. Somebody says, I don't know if I believe that or not. Hey, if God's who we say God is, and if he didn't have no problem in time and translation preserving and protecting his word, don't you think he has the ability to overshadow and come upon her in that respect and give to her that child and bring forth a Messiah with the blood of God himself in him? Yes, sir, friend of mine. And then may I say to you, you should think about this. It's justified by his resurrection, Romans 4, 25 who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Now I want you to notice with me, we're getting done pretty early tonight, Brother Wayne. I still feel the burden to go first on the banana pudding, okay? But may I say to you, listen, as you think about it, and I don't want to sound like I know everything I don't. Gosh, good gracious alive, let me say it to you, God knows I don't. But I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. And I want you to notice with me in 1 Peter chapter, well, let me, let me, let me back up here. Uh, well, 1 Peter chapter 1, that'll be all right. And verse 18, I want you to notice with me what he says. He says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Notice with me in verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope uh, might be in God. In verse 19, we see, or verse 18, we see perishable riches. We see a passing religion. But in verse 19, we see the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, He's given his life that we through him could go free from our sins. You know, when you think about redemption of our soul, there's several Greek words. There's a lot that I could say and a lot that I don't know. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 2, if you will, in verse 18. I want you to notice something with me. The Bible says, all right, Luke 2 and verse 38, excuse me. 2 and verse 38. The Bible says, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that look for redemption. Now, I'm not trying to bore you, and I'm sure not trying to act like I know it all. But the word redemption, it's several thoughts put together, apo, apo, and it means off, away, far from, nothing that's near. There's lutron and luo. Lutron is something loosened with a redemption price. Luo, pronounced luo, to be loosened. And when you think about this, you look in Luke chapter 2 and verse 38, and we see it's lutrosis, I believe it is. And it's pr pronounced lutrosis. And it's a ransom. I want to go back, and as you think about the Old Testament, you look into the book of Ruth, and there you see the picture of redemption beginning to form. 
But may I say to you, the Old Testament redemption uh, starts from money paid to, be, uh, to buy back something, and it's used in the general sense. She leaves, her and her husband leave, they take their two sons, they go down into Moab. We know the story, Moab is my wash pot, Psalm says. And they're down there for a period of 10 years. When she does come back, she says, call me not Mara, or call me not Naomi, pleasant, but call me Mara, for the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She tells her two daughters before she goes back, and we see a picture of false repentance and a picture of true repentance. Ophira, she comes forth, she cries, she goes back to her people. She's never mentioned again, so to speak, in the Bible. Can I say it to you like that? In, in, in a thought or in a line of repentance or anything like that. She's a picture of false repentance. You see Ruth, and Ruth says, where you go, I'm going to go. Where you stay, I'm going to stay. Your God will be my God, and your people will be my people. It's true repentance. And she comes home in chapter 1, and about verse 21, the Bible said that she came back in the beginning of the barley harvest. And we begin to see the hand of God working in the life of Ruth. Or not working, it was working all along. And I want you to understand she comes home. She gets back where she needs to be. And she tells all of Israel, don't call me pleasant. Don't call me pleasant anymore. She, she says, call me Mara. She said, for the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. You know, that's just the way it is with a backslider. You know, I, I've had people in times past and they've said things like, well, if I don't like it, I'll just leave here and go somewhere else. You're liable to go to Moab too. You're, you're, liable, you're liable to, you know, you can go to where you want to go and no one can stop you in one sense of the word. Can I say it to you like that? We have that ability. I'll not call names, but I tried to tell a young man that left with his family. I tried to tell him, listen, he didn't know where he was going, but he was leaving. And I told him, I said, listen, God don't want you to go like that. He'll lead you if he wants you to leave. And I, I let, let me just leave it at that like that right there. But you know, listen, when the backslider comes home, and the backslider begins to get right with God or gets right with God, starts to serve the Lord again. The Bible says she came back in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now let me get back to my thought here. I'm not trying to run so many trails and take so much time. But I want you to understand that in the Old Testament, it was the general sense to purchase something. It was that general sense. But when you come into the New Testament, and as you begin to think about it, may I say to you, the New Testament sense of redemption holds more. It holds the suggestion of ransom. Thus the Redeemer has purchased and He's delivered us. I want you to understand that our nation will not negotiate with terrorists. I like that thought. But aren't you glad that God negotiated for your soul and mine and he paid the ransom that we through him could go free from all of our sins? Let me give you the passage and I'll be done here in just a second. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. I'm glad that I can say I've been redeemed. I'm glad that I can say tonight that he paid the ransom and I'm free from all of my sin. I know the life that I had. I know the emptiness that I had. I don't know about y'all, but I've enjoyed serving the Lord. You know, listen, friend, I, and I don't say this, please, don't take it. You know, they want me to go to Brazil in April and 
uh, uh, they've asked, and I probably won't, and we've thought about trying to go back to Alaska uh, some in, somewhere in the summer. I don't know that we'll be able to. But you know, in the years that I've been with the Rock of Ages, December the 27th started our 40th year. Wasn't 47, I'm not over the hill yet, amen. But God's allowed us to be in 32 countries, and in most of those countries, preach and see the gospel proclaimed and sinners saved. I don't know if I've told this or not, and I'm sure not trying to sound big or nothing like that, and I'll try to finish with this. I remember in Uganda, Africa, as they'd asked for the missionaries to come to a hut, and a little woman on her knees walking towards myself and another man, and we're both saying no, no. And she was happy because missionaries had come to her hut. And you know, listen, the thing that thrills me is not because of that, but Christ came to the world, and he came to my heart, and he spoke to my soul, and he gave me that opportunity, and I responded, and he bore me into the family of God. Oh, friend of mine, listen, that's what redemption is. It's the remission. It's an atonement. It's a cleansing. It's a making a whole. It's a justification. Do you have that tonight or do you not have that? That's the question. Is what you got, you've heard me say this before, but is what you got good enough to get you to heaven? I love my wife back there and I believe my wife's saved. I looked at her before I come up here and I said, pray for me. It's good to know that my wife will pray for me when I'm preaching. But I would not trade with my wife what I have for what she has. Because I know what I have. I was there when I got it. I don't know about you, but I'm asking you, is what you got good enough, sufficient? Will it get you in? Are you cleansed by the blood of Christ? Are you one of those that are going around and you're going to make another profession of faith and this will be number nine or number ten or six or number seven? What about that time? Has it been real in your life where you've came forward to an old-fashioned altar? People have prayed with you and you've turned. So many people will pray a little old prayer. Now I'll lay me down to sleep, pray my Lord my soul to keep. God bless Mama June Bug, Daddy Sis and the rest. Get me up in the morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But it doesn't mean you're saved. I've watched people that name the name of Christ and then go right back out and live like the devil. Something's wrong somewhere. Something's wrong somewhere. You're sure the blood's been applied to your heart? Let's pray. Would you do that with me? You come to the piano, if you will, please, and let's have a song ready, please, and our fathers, we come to the throne. I ask you now, Lord, please, that you'll bless. You'll help us tonight. Bless in this invitation. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to preach. Lord, I ask you, Father, please, do a work of grace. As you look at each and every heart here and how they stand this side of eternity, Lord, I ask you, please, Holy Spirit, would you come and stand alongside that sinner that might need to be saved, that might need to put their faith and trust in Christ. Do a work of grace and help us to be honest. Help the sinner that's here to be honest tonight. In the mean business, Lord Jesus, I pray. 